Hello and welcome back once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Your ears do not deceive you. We are back after a several month absence. The joys of life getting in the way. But as I say, we are back and we're going to be taking you through the previews books today. These are the August previews books with the majority of these releases coming out in October 2023. Although a few are advanced uh, solicits, but we'll certainly guide you through those. Uh, your host is always Alan, uh, owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. And of course, joined by Mr. Keith Miller. Great to be in your company again, sir. How are you? Yeah, I am good. I'm good. Um, you're right. It has been a busy couple of months uh, between uh, some of us being lucky enough to take holidays, uh, head off to Spain, uh, and coming back straight into festival season. Um, Working festival season, we should course. say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, um, and, and all of that good stuff. Um, it's just been uh, just been difficult. You with your fatherly duties, your uh, store responsibilities, and uh, and everything else. Um, so yeah, it's nice to be it's nice to be sitting here. We'll hopefully get things a little more regular now. Well, that's that's the aim. You know, we're we're doing the previews one here again. We've got plans to do a little reviews one as well to bring us right up to date. But yeah, as you say, just you know, fatherhood. We man turned one recently, how quickly that year has gone. Um, and I may be off to a certain wrestling event next weekend as well, which I've looked forward to for quite some time. Then we have Thought Bubble to come up as well in November, the yearly uh, Comic-Con that we enjoy going to. So still plenty in the horizon, but we've always wanted to get back to this. You know, Keith will say this to me all the time. He never wants to pod fade. Uh, And when you've put as much into this as we have, I mean, over 220 episodes, I think it's a case of wanting to to continue the good work. And and it's interesting as well because new people are still discovering the pod, which is always the aim. You know, it's just to inform as best we can, certainly when it comes to the previews. And and yeah, the previews books, you know, we've got them in front of us here. We're recording at Keith's house. We've got this lovely big space and uh, we're able to go through the books. So as ever, the previews books are divided into three. You've got your DC book, you've got your Marvel book and you've got your independent book. The independent books went through some changes, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, which has knocked us for a loop. But uh, in terms of a brief overview, you know, with the DC book, I'm just so glad to pick up a DC book and not see the two words night terrors. <laughs> I hit that event with a passion. Um, just from a store perspective, there's actually been some good stuff through it, um, which we'll talk about in the reviews pod. But uh, yeah, no, we're, we're back into the sort of meat and bones of the, the DC universe rather than dealing with events. Although the main thing in the book is definitely a crossover event, something that was announced at San Diego Comic-Con, which we'll certainly go on to as it's uh, top of the board in the store and top of the list for chatting on this. But uh, plenty going on in the DC book. You know, the the Bat universe is is fairly well stacked. You know, we're going to be coming off this Batman-Catwoman crossover. We have uh, Nightwing in its usual strengths. We have Ram continuing his great work with Detective Comics with a new arc. Uh, with uh, Dustin Wayne joining him for art there. There's a couple of new titles, Batwise. You know, we didn't do one of these for the previous month. So I just wanted to mention, you know, Batman and Robin's a new title coming out from Joshua Williamson. Simon de Mayo on art, so number two is this month. Birds of Prey is getting its own title. Kelly Thompson making the move from Marvel to DC. There's some cool Golden Age books coming in, or the new Golden Age as it is referred to, spinning out of the Justice Society of America. It's a celebratory month for a certain Superman as well, in terms of both legacy numbering with the main title, a couple of specials as well, as well as a a 30th anniversary of a a big book in the Superman universe as well. Outside of that, there's a cracking looking black label title, which 
I'm so delighted to say is bringing the Court of Isles back to comics. Uh, it's also from a creator who we had the pleasure of interviewing not so long ago. Christian Ward will definitely spotlight that quite a bit. And then there's a couple of big omnibuses this month which are, are pretty great, I have to say. One of which I'm just so glad to see coming back into print because it's one of those ones in the secondary market. It is a pain trying to get it. I have all the single issues, admittedly, because of course I do, but I'm looking forward to that hitting omnibus as well. So, yeah, plenty to get to in the DC book. We'll certainly deep dive into it uh, once we go through the brief overviews. How's that Marvel book looking? Yeah, I mean, I don't know uh, if DC are spotlighting it, but Marvel certainly are because, of course, October is the month of Halloween. Uh, and so we're hitting the horror hard across uh, across Marvel and some of the uh, some of the independent publishers. Um, so we have uh, Marvel's uh, official sort of anthology Halloween release for 2023. That's Crypt of Shadows, which sees the return of Doctor Strange's long-lost brother, Vincent the Vampire, along with stories that uh, have um, Werewolf by Night in there, Daredevil, Deadpool. And there's a raft of creators on that. Um, there's also the return of another uh, Marvel Comics cult favourite, from Spider-Man Legends, Dan Slott, uh, and, uh, and a whole team of spider artists, including Stegman, Bagley, Ramos, and Kamakoli, uh, all teaming up for an oversized one-shot that uh, we'll talk about uh, a little further down the line. There's a lot of uh, Carl Danvers in October, coming up just in time for the November release of The Marvels at the cinema. Um, that includes a brand new Captain Marvel number one, launching her new ongoing series from writer Alyssa Wong, uh, an artist, uh, Jan Bazaldua, Bazaldua, I butchered that name, but sure, we're all good, uh, as well as uh, a one-shot, uh, Captain Marvel Assault on Eden, in which she teams up with Emperor Hulkling, the son of her mentor, Marvel, the original Captain Marvel. And also on the relaunch side of things, and I know this is important uh, for you, is where She-Hulk, will be relaunching as the sensational She-Hulk. What's the score there in the store? Well, most importantly, it's the same creative team. I believe it's still Rainbow Rowell on writing duties. Jen Bartel is still putting out those beautiful covers. So if you're on She-Hulk, we'll automatically move you on to sensational She-Hulk in that terms. We're, we're a little hesitant to move people straight on to titles if there's a creative team change. Mm. You know, a good example of that is uh, Daredevil. So Chip Zdarsky finished up his run this week. A lot of people jumped on uh, Daredevil because Chip Zdarsky was doing it. There's going to be a new creative team, so we've checked with people as we yeah. went. Do you want to come on to Daredevil? So yeah, it can, it can be a tricky thing, but this to me just seems an excuse to go back to number one. So they've just added the extra. Well, it makes it a jumping on yeah, point, which I mean, is a good about, thing. It's about time, you know. She Hulk had her adjective back. She mm -hmm. is the sensational She Hulk. She is often this this series has been sensational up until now, so it deserves it. Uh, so seamless. Uh, if you're not already on She-Hulk, I'd recommend jumping on it for this uh, for this relaunch because it really has been an absolute gem of a book. And then lastly, I suppose still in the Halloween theme, we have uh, Moon Knight 28, which kicks off the story titled The Last Days of Moon Knight, which Marvel is billing as the death of Moon Knight. Um, there's every indication that that story will kill off Mark Spector and replace him with a new hero in the role of Moon Knight, meaning that uh, well, I mean, if you're a fan of Moon Knight, which, you know, I know in the store we are, uh, especially under Jeff McKay's Guiding Eye, uh, you, might be, you might be sad and, and 
Halloween. Or it might just be one of his split personalities, <laughs> and you know, well, all stays the same. But that said, you know, Mark Spiker is a very important personality of the of, very the, true. of the group. Very true. What about the what about the indie book? How's that looking for you? Yeah, indie book was an interesting one this month for the simple reason that you know. If, if you've listened to us before talk about previews we normally always kick it off with the image part is very strong this month Uh, but image comics is very strong this month which we will get to but image comics in america have separated from diamond uh it's now penguin random house i believe that is distributing their titles so basically if you're not having diamond distribute your titles you're not in the previews book because that's predominantly done by diamond so uh there's literally a little two page where it says uh, upcoming image titles and a picture of two to, two of the big titles coming out, which we'll certainly get to. But beyond that, there's plenty in the book. You know, Boom's very, very strong this month. Uh, there's a new publisher coming to the fray. Obviously, we mentioned it before with Distillery with Devil's Cut. They're one-shot preview in the upcoming titles, but they're now launching one in earnest with from one of my absolute heroes in the, in the industry, both writing and drawing that. But there's a lot of things from uh, that, that appeal to us and are certain fandoms you know there's a certain uh deadite slayer with a new title that i'm very much looking forward to there's a certain serial killer who has coming to comics that i'm rather looking forward to and there's even some great stuff uh, i I see for yourself the likes of fantasy writers who have written some of the best books of all time who responsible for the picture that is behind me right now which is great in a non-visual medium for you listeners uh (laughs) and there's even a little bit of lovecraft to get to as well Although you did have hesitation about that, which yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah, as we well. Absolutely will. But yeah, pretty stacked month, plenty to get through. So we'll we'll go into that deep dive and pick out the best stuff that we're looking forward to most certainly. And also, as always, picking out starting points certainly for new readers. So when it comes to the DC book, that event crossover I was talking about, it was announced at San Diego Comic Con uh, with some great covers. Uh, Jim Lee was involved with some of the covers, for example, uh, and that is Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Now, the one thing I will say is I am not sure how long this event is. DC are very, very good at the bottom of their solicitation pages of saying one of six, one shot, one of three, whatever. But at the bottom of this one, it just says five dollars, forty pages, variant to six dollars because it's a cardstock cover. So, and it also comes, I should say, with the choice of a Godzilla Roar sound effects variant cover. How does that work? I presume there's a button you press and it goes Roar, but (laughs) I mean, I would prefer if it was a button you press and it just went, I'm Batman, I think would be funnier. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it's a brand new number one again. I don't know if this is just setting the uh, scene for an upcoming series or if this is just a one shot, but... Justice League vs. Godzilla vs. Kong number one. It's written by Brian Bugalato, who was responsible for one of my favorite runs on The Flash. Did The Flash during the New 52. And the art is by Christian Dusso. The catechismic crossover event of the year is here as the DC Universe clashes with Legendary's Monsterverse in Justice League vs. Godzilla vs. Kong. Clark Kent is enjoying a night off with a very important dinner planned with his girlfriend, Lois Lane, when the entire city shudders under the weight of the monstrous Godzilla who emerges from the bay. What started as a routine clash between the Justice League and the Legion of Doom takes a dangerous turn when the wall between worlds is breached, with Godzilla, Kong and the Monsterverse emerging on DC's Earth. What ensues will be a brawl of unprecedented scale and destruction from acclaimed writer Brian Bucoletto and best-selling artist Christian Deuce. So this just looks like tremendous fun to me. It's probably going to have the depth of a puddle, but it is going to be fun if nothing else. I mean, you're bound to have Batman in giant bat suits at some point 
fighting Godzilla, and that that's enough to sell me on. It, it has to happen. It has, it to, has happen. to happen. Um, and Superman's girlfriend. Yeah. Is so happily married is that? Well, I suppose it depends when it's set during the DC universe. Maybe simplicity was key here. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so speaking of Batman, I believe we're coming to the end of an event this month. Yeah, we are. An event that initially I wasn't terribly taken with, but uh, as, as they started marketing it, that uh, I became more taken with it. Plus, Zdarsky and Tini Howard are, are at the helm of it, so uh, so quite interested. So uh, it's Batman, Catwoman, the Gotham War, and Scorched Earth appears to be like the Omega, Omega. issue. Uh, the final chapter of this epic crossover is here. It hasn't started yet, so we don't know an awful lot about it. Other than That's because Night Terrors is still going <laughs> keep. <laughs> uh, and Batman and his family must find a way to overcome the end game of an ancient enemy. Can Bat, the Bat and the Cat set their differences aside? Uh, is this the end of the Bat family? I doubt it. Uh, life's changed forever in this action-packed conclusion. So... Uh, uh, what do you think of that? Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've said it for a long time, Catwoman's one of best DC's best titles that not enough people are reading. Mm-hmm. And there's some really interesting stuff at the moment where she went to jail uh, for crimes she committed, but she's now broken out of jail. That goes against Batman's code. You know, obviously they have their past together as well. So I'm looking forward to this. I mean, there are a few people seem a little burnt out on it because they're like, we just had the Joker war and, yeah, you know, yeah. it's another war in Gotham. But, uh-huh, yeah. you know, it's new creators this time. The Joker war was Tinian. This is at our scheme. This is all part of... I have faith. This is all part of DC's strategy to try and steal wars off Marvel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Apparently so. Apparently so. Uh, you know, as I look over our notes for the Marvel book, I don't see the word war once. No, no, so Because we're rookies loving people. Um... <laughs> They, there's also uh, it seems to be a new initiative this this month in the DC book um, in October, and that is the new Golden Age, which seems to be um, taking you know Golden Age characters and, and reinvigorating them with new stories. Sort of probably I don't know if it's similar to what to what Marvel are doing with their five issue you know sort of um, uh, nostalgia you know the Storm and the Venom Lethal Protector and the Gambit you know for they're, they're taking stories characters from from back then and kind of going oh well we'll tell new stories with them but obviously these are golden age characters so so that's something but the one that really stood out to me was wesley dodds the sandman it's the golden age sandman returning in a new noir mystery one of your buzzwords there uh it's written by robert vendetti and art and covered by Randy rossum and robert vendetti i first got uh, interested in the winter writing justice league uh, back in the day Randy rossum's art is not something that normally attracts me but i've been looking and it looks like he's doing something slightly different with this one. Um, it says no one escapes the Sandman's dark dreams, not even Wesley Dodds himself. After years of testing and experimentation, Wesley perfected his sleep gas as the optimal weapon to fight crime without causing undue harm. But when his journal detailing all his failed and far more deadly formulas is stolen, the Sandman must hunt down the thief and the people in the shadows pulling the strings before the contents of the journal are released. It's a six-issue miniseries. This is the first of it. Uh, it looks uh, it looks kind of interesting, and especially you know the, the, the Golden Age Sandman has been appearing in the Night Terrors core storyline anyway. Oh, don't mention that. Uh, really. At least a, a, slightly, <laughs> a slightly zombified version of them anyway. Um, yeah, well, that's it. It's part of a, a triple initiative for the new Golden Age uh, with those early characters, as you say. I mean, modern audiences probably know the Green Lantern more as Hal Jordan. They know the Flash more as Barry Allen. Um, but in this case, it's going back to the Golden Age. So, as well as the Wesley Dodd Sandman, you've got uh, Jay Garrick, the Flash, 
which is written by Jeremy Adams, who of course just finished off a great run on The Flash and is now writing uh, Green Lantern. Art on this one is by Diego Olortoegi. And spinning out of the events of Stargirl, the Lost Children and Justice Society of America, Jay Garrick is reunited with his long-lost daughter, Judy. After being pulled from the timeline, Judy returns to a world where she and her dad aren't the only ones that ride the lightning. But is there enough space for her in Jay and Joan's life, and can they keep up with their teenage daughter and make up for lost time? Not even the uh, dumpster fire that was the Flash movie can put me off the Flash comics at the moment more on that in the review show uh, but once again six issues for that and then the other one is uh, alan scott the green lantern number one uh, this is uh, written by tim sheridan and art by well pretty much a local artist kian torme who's been doing some great stuff with dc recently i believe he did some of the superman son of kal-el uh, same again six issues alan scott's early days as the green lantern are seen in a new light the Green Lantern is the most powerful member of the JSA, beloved by all of America, but his personal life is a well-kept secret. This is a story about love, about fear, and most of all, about courage to stand up to that fear. Alan Scott's past is the key to his future when the Red Lantern appears, ready to strike down the mighty Green Lantern. So, yeah, as you say, I mean, are they, is this DC's attempt to do what Marvel have been doing with, you know, going back to previous continuities and telling short stories? If it is, I think it's a good idea to do so. And They've got a good long history to do it with. Yeah, that's exactly it. Plus, let's be honest, both companies love copying each other at one Absolutely. point or another. Uh, moving away from there, I thought it was worth mentioning a Supergirl special that's hitting soon. Uh, of course, the last Supergirl run we were huge fans of, which was Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, this is not linked to that. It is just a one-shot, but it is written by a previous uh, Supergirl writer, Mariko Tamaki. He also did great work in Detective Comics uh, a year or two ago. Uh, artist by Skyler Partridge. So the Supergirl special number one. After joining the Superman family in their heroic efforts in Metropolis, Kara thought she had found her place in the world. But there's only room in, room in town for one Supergirl, and Power Girl's sudden reappearance has made her redundant. Her identity and role are both in question and she looks for answers. Will they lead her out of the city or out of this world? Find out as critically acclaimed writer Mariko Tamaki returns to the Maid of Might with the help of Skylar Partridge, who was someone who worked recently on Wonder Woman. So, yeah, some interesting stuff when it comes to Superman this month. There's legacy issue, uh, oversized issue with the main title. Uh, but there's also an anniversary special, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. One that uh, is close to my heart since this was some of the first uh, Superman stuff that I was kind of ever interested in beyond you know, the Christopher Reeve movie uh, or movies. Um, and that is the original creative teams returning for new stories starring Superboy, Steel, The Eradicator and Cyborg Superman. And with those four names, you know that it is the return of Superman 30th anniversary special number one. Uh, it's written by Dan Jurgens, Louise Simonson, Jerry Ordway, and Carl Cassell. Art by Travis Moore, Dan Jurgens, Brett Breeding, uh, and others. Um, says Superman returns! Exclamation mark. After the tragic events of more than 30 years uh, ago, when Superman met his end at the hands of Doomsday Metropolis, mourned the loss of their greatest hero, and soon turned their attention to the search for his successor. Four Supermen rose to the challenge, Superboy, Steel, Eradicator and Cyborg Superman. Each with their own strengths and weaknesses, they fought in honour of the original Man of Steel. I mean, that's slightly... Um, uh, well, Simplistic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, little did they know his return was just around the corner. To celebrate the reign of the Superman and the return of Superman, DC has brought back the original creative teams for new stories set in the wake of Superman's death. It all begins with New Daily Planet editor-in-chief Lois Lane discovering Perry White's journals from the time 
and the secrets he kept as he searched for who could be the next Superman. What could the discovery mean for our present? Find out in this issues in this in this special that's sure to be a classic for the future. Well, what's interesting with this as well is it's worth noting there are four Kraken variant covers, one focusing on each of the four Supermen. So there's a John Jiang Cyborg Superman variant. Uh, you also have a Dave Wilkins Steel variant cover. You have Francis Manipal doing Superboy and Ben Oliver doing the Eradicator. And those are all free to order. So if you have a particular favorite, you can certainly just let us know and we can get you the, the variant covers for that instead of the cover A if you prefer. Although the cover A is by Dan Jurgens and looks to be a rather lovely wraparound cover there as well. Or if you're like certain people in store and you know who you are, you've already placed your order for all four of the variants and the cover A. I'll leave you to figure out who that is, Keith. Uh, so away from Superman and on to DC's actual best hero, which is Batman. That's also in certain people. Uh, and a title that I'm really, really looking forward to because it brings in one of my favorite villains in the Batman universe uh, from one of my favorite runs. It's done by one of my, definitely one of my favorite creators of modern times. And it's going to be a three issue here. Listen, Keith, Prestige Plus. Oh, your favorite type of size. Silly comic. size, yeah. Silly size. So this is Batman City of Madness. So being a black label title, this is completely its own independent, self-contained title. You don't need to know anything before this, and there won't be anything. They're all standalone stories in black label. So Batman City of Madness is going to be one of three. It's both written and drawn by Christian Ward. Now Christian Ward's been around for years, done a lot of great stuff, has recently been moving into the realms of writing, did a great vampire series recently called Bloodstained Teeth with uh, Patrick Reynolds was the artist on another Black Label series, Aquaman Andromeda with Ram V. And this one, as I say, it's bringing in the Court of Owls, but it's also uh, called, or it's also labeled a cosmic horror oh. epic. This is apparently very heavily influenced by Cthulhu and all of those legends. So buried deep beneath Gotham City, there exists another Gotham. This Gotham below is a living nightmare populated by twisted mirrors of our Gotham's denizens, fueled by the fear and hatred flowing down from above. For decades, the doorway between the cities has been sealed and heavily guarded by the Court of Isles. But now the door swings wide and the twisted version of the Dark Knight has escaped to trap and train a Robin of his own. Batman must form an uneasy alliance with the Court of Isles and its deadly allies to stop him and to hold back the wave of twisted supervillains nightmarish versions of his own nemeses, each one worse than the last that's spilling into the streets. Visionary writer artist Christian Ward unleashes his cosmic horror take on Batman's world in a tribute to disturbing Dark Knight classics like Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman Gothic. You'll never look at Batman's villains in the same way again. You simply won't have the stomach for it. Preview pages for this look absolutely gorgeous. The colors are bright and vibrant. There's a great variant cover by Bill Sinkovitz. Uh, yeah, just everything about that just says, buy me, Alan. Uh, so <laughs> I am very much looking forward to it. And so you will obey. And so I will. I mean, I, I, I could not, I could not. But uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for the single issues from the DC book. Just two omnibuses I wanted to highlight uh, before moving on to the Marvel book. The first one being the Batman Eternal Omnibus, 2023 edition. I'm so glad to see this is back in print. This is one of those ones where secondary market is a killer. You know, Stephen and I have talked about this loads of times. We both love this story. And we've both tried to get this omnibus and we both refused to pay £250 for it. Uh -huh. uh, so it's being released at a much more uh, manageable £100. Well, £110, but we sell them in store at 100 Batman Eternal was basically a story to celebrate 75 years of Batman. They did a year-long event where they released an issue a week. Uh, it was written by Scott Snyder and James Tinian. 
Obviously, there's a cavalcade of artists worked through it, uh, simply because with it being a weekly title, there was no way you were having one uh, one artist the whole way. But you have artists on such as Jason Faybook, Ray Fox, Kyle Higgins, Fernando Blanco, Alvaro Martinez Bueno, and, and others. But for Batman Eternal, Gotham is in chaos. Every one of Batman's allies is fighting to keep the city under control. Someone is orchestrating the pandemonium, but who? Worst of all, Batman's greatest ally inside the city. Police Commissioner Jim Gordon has been arrested. Until his name is cleared, he'll stay locked up alongside all the dangerous criminals he put in jail. Meanwhile, Batman, the Robins, Batgirl, Red Hood, Spoiler and more will have to contend with not just the usual villains, but a corrupt police force as well. Collects Batman Eternal 1-52 and Batman 28 from the new 52 run. What's great about that is it was a real celebration of Batman. It wasn't, here's a brand new villain, here's a brand new sidekick for the Joker. Here, It was literally, here's all the bad guys you've known for 75 years. And we've condensed all into one story. Really, really highly recommended. Uh, and then the other omnibus I wanted to mention is the Dark Knight's Death Metal omnibus. Uh, this, of course, was one of DC's biggest events from the last few years. Uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's brainchild after doing Dark Knight's Metal, then doing Death Metal. Uh, so written by Scott Snyder, also joined in this by James Tinney IV, Joshua Williamson, Jeff Johns and others. And the art in this one is Greg Capullo, Yannick Paquette, Brian Hitch and others. Join Wonder Woman, Batman and Superman as they make one last stand against Perpetua and the Army of Dark Knights. This omnibus collects the complete Death Metal saga from Dark Knights Death Metal 1-7 plus all of the tie-in books. Plus you also have some Justice League issues thrown in as well. I mean I'm a big big fan of the metal stuff. There were times it threatened to lose itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, something we'll go into more when we come to our review show. I came up with a great line, which you'll really love. Uh, but I, I love it. I mean, it's big, it's silly, it's bombastic, it's action-packed, and if nothing else, it looks absolutely gorgeous. So uh, I've already got the metal on the bus, so I'll definitely pick up the death metal Omni as well. So that is it from me for the DC book. Let us jump head first directly into Marvel and... If we're going to jump into Marvel these days, it seems to be we're jumping into Jonathan Hickman. We are, we are. Um, and what Alan is referring to is Gods, G-O-D-S, number one, by Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Shini. Um, we've got uh, a load of variant covers, Scotty Young, Pageman Mogul, Mamad Azrar, uh, and so forth and so on. But uh, his byline is Jonathan Hickman reinvents the cosmology of the Marvel Universe. He's already reinvented the X-Men and their entire status quo. So why stop there? Um, what happens when the powers that be meet the natural order of things? The infinite detente between the natural order of things and the powers that be nears an end. Old acquaintances are reunited during a Babylon event. The Lion of Wolves throws the worst parties. Don't look under the table. There's a John Wilkes Booth penny on the ground. This enormous extra-sized first issue features Doctor Strange, who, while not at all boring, is easily the most boring person in this book. (laughs) (laughs) This is 64 pages. Um, It's a big price point, $9.99, but it is is chunky. Now, it doesn't give an awful lot away. The the preview art and story looks great, Uh, very very Hickman-esque, features... Uh, Doctor Strange very prominently and a number of Doctor Doom there in the background Reed Richards so you know this is a, a gathering of, uh, of some fairly uh, big hitters in the Marvel Universe and it doesn't tell us a lot about the gods so if, uh, it's interesting in, the, in a lot of the Marvel issues over this last month 
we've had uh, there, there's been a little uh, gods logo on the front of those issues that yeah it sort of says who are the gods who, or, are, who yeah. are the gods and we're getting a, a just a pre, just a page at the back of every issue that tends to connect to the story that's been told but then it connects to the so and they seem to have been about for a long time the fantastic Doctor Strange issue by Jeff McKay this week was just it was a phenomenal issue but uh, one of the characters from Gods appeared mm-hmm. and it was set back in Doctor Strange's early days and he was there and they were friends um, so who are the Gods uh, I'm reading off the Marvel website it says this fall readers will find out in a revolutionary series by Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Shidi announced back in March Gods will see two of the industry's greatest modern visionaries I don't, I don't think that's uh, too bombastic to say uh, dramatically redefine Marvel's pantheon of cosmic beings and master masterfully deconstruct the forces behind reality that sounds like pure Jonathan Eckman stuff doesn't it yeah the, bre- the breathtaking new saga will introduce a host of new characters all players in a secret conflict at the crossroads of science and magic so sounds a wee bit like some of the shield stuff he did a bunch of years ago mm-hmm. uh, which was really very much it was um, oh my goodness it was Howard Stark and oh, I can't even remember but it was it was very much that 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 uh, crossroads of science and magic heralding their debut new line of variant covers this August will spotlight some of the core cast as they team up with heroes and villains from throughout the Marvel Universe we have already seen a character called Wynn in free comic book days Avengers X-Men number one uh, and these new variant covers will provide a first look at the likes of Aiko Mackey Dimitri Cubis Core and Mia from powerful mystics to daring scientists these are the agents of the powers that be and the natural order of things and servants of the very building blocks of creation. They may be new to readers, but they've been scheming and clashing with each other for aeons in the shadows. So we've got various variant covers uh, and, 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 and one-page stories and Doctor Strange, Guardian, Scarlet Witch, Fantastic Four, um, and uh, the, some of the cast of gods uh, will actually have attended Mutant Kind's Biggest Night uh, to witness the beginning of Fall of X in Hellfire Saga. The characters spotlighted on the various uh, variant covers on the bonus pages are Wynn, who's a powerful magic expert who's operated in secret for thousands of years and is now forced to come out of the shadows. Aiko Mackey, a high-ranking agent, brutally loyal to the ways of science and wanting to do anything to keep the building blocks of creation in balance. Dimitri the Science Boy, Wynn's reckless partner who has a secret mission of his own to discover the dark truth of his past. Mia, the magic girl, a young sorcerer struggling to achieve her potential, and Cubisk Core, a mysterious being of pure corruption seeking to shatter the existing systems. So, uh, this sounds this sounds awesome. Um, Jonathan Hickman said, when I came back to Marvel a few years ago, I wrote two series Bibles. The first was House of X, the other was Gods. Hickman explained, to say that I'm excited to finally be able to share this story with everyone is a massive understatement. God's takes place in its very own corner of the Marvel Universe in the cracks that lie in the intersection of science and magic and revisits some characters and concepts that we've imagined for a more modern, continuity-driven audience. Right up my street, I think. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Hickman, he's slowly just sort of defining different corners of the Marvel Universe. You know, obviously, he's done it with the Krakoia or with the X-Men. He's going to be doing it with God's. And not only that, he's also bringing back the Ultimates as well. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, there's... Uh, a story going on at the moment, Ultimate Invasion. Uh-huh. Again, check out the reviews pod we'll be releasing after this one for more talk on that. But this month uh, sees the release of Ultimate Universe, which is a one-shot 
uh, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Stefano Caselli. Brian Hitch doing the cover for this. I do wonder if this one shot is going to, you know, he talks about having a Bible for gods, a Bible for House of X, Powers of Ten. I wonder if this is basically the primer for the Ultimate Universe because I understand that there's going to be a new line of Ultimate Comics coming later this year, start of next year. And that this, you just said this is a one shot. This is a one shot. So this to me is the primer. This is the, yeah. even if you didn't read Ultimate Invasion, you could probably start here. So. As I said, number one, one shot, 40 pages, the spoils of victory. After the world-shaking conclusion of Ultimate Invasion, glad there's no spoilers, uh -huh. a new team of heroes bands together to save the future. From mastermind Jonathan Hickman and superstar artist Stefano Caselli, don't miss out on this foundational issue for the new line of Ultimate Comics. So that's something I'm very much looking forward to. I've, I've embraced the Ultimate Universe yes. recently, uh, and therefore it's, it's a good time, I think, for... For getting into that yeah it's almost like they lined up those uh, omnibus releases to lead up to this That's a little bit of forethought it's great <laughs> it's great so yeah that is the ultimate universe number one one shot um probably the opposite end of that in terms of that being world building and huge and leading to loads of things uh the next one i picked up was actually an anthology book but it's part of a line marvel have been doing for a little while now called black white and blood so far they've done wolverine they've done deadpool they've done carnage uh, they're currently doing Star Wars, Darth Vader. Well, this one is Marvel Zombies. I'm surprised it's taken this long, to be honest. Black, White and Blood. This falls perfectly under this purview. Oh. The main reason this caught my eye is Garth Ennis is writing a story. Sold. Uh, Rachel Stott doing art for that one as well. So this is going to be a four-issue miniseries, uh, 40 pages each issue. Uh, an all-new year of Marvel Zombies. The undead plague starts here, and you, won't know, and you know it won't stop until everyone is in its clutches. The first of four action-packed, utterly original, gloriously gory anthology series features Daredevil, Spider-Man, Moon Knight, and many, many more Marvel heroes and villains beset by ever-growing zombie hordes. In a brutal, blood-stained world, can hope survive, or will creepy, gnawing, shambling horror win out at last? I mean, what's great about books like this is that uh, they're not beholden to any sort of continuity, so they can literally do what they want. So they tend to be fun. And you have consequences for heroes along the way. So that's Marvel Zombies Black, White and Blood. What do we got up next? Uh, let's skip into the spider corner, shall we? Spider-Boy. Um, so a couple of Spider-Man uh, or Spider-Man related books. Um, I'm really enjoying Miles Morales at the moment. Really, really strong, really strong stuff. Cody Ziegler, is it? Uh, Cody Ziegler and uh, the art on it uh, is, is phenomenal. It's just it's really good stuff. Really enjoying Venom under Torrent. Uh, who we interviewed quite a, quite a while back uh, and the direction that that's taken and of course the core Amazing Spider-Man book uh, which uh, I think it hit 925 or something 31 wasn't it? Yeah, yeah but It was uh, a legacy issue It was a big big chunky boy it was a wedding issue so Stephen was already on tender hooks um, <laughs> but uh, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoying uh, all things Spider-Man at the moment uh, and that includes um, Dan Slott's slightly and Mark Bagley's slightly separate uh, Spider-Man uh, and speaking of that, uh, we've got uh, Superior Spider-Man Returns by Dan Slott with art by Giuseppe Camacoli, Humberto Ramos, Mark Bagley and Ryan Stegman. So uh, I think we're all picking that up. Uh, it's a one-shot 48th page uh, and Su Superior Spider-Man web slings again. Now, do you remember the story behind Superior Spider-Man? Yeah, so it was basically Doc Ock's consciousness going into Spider-Man, basically, and a yeah. villain becoming a hero. That's it, yeah, absolutely. The spider team that redefined the amazing Spider-Man returns to celebrate the 10-year anniversary, oh my God. Makes you feel of the, 
for the most monumental and shocking spiny story of a generation. Uh, the team previously mentioned, including also uh, Par- Peter Parker, Doc Ock, together again for a Spider-Man story superior to all others, and that'll be spent a night off uh, the current Amazing Spider-Man run because there's, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of inkling that Doc Ock needs to become the superior Spider-Man again because mm-hmm. he can't remember a certain thing, and uh, only by becoming uh, becoming uh, the superior Spider-Man again will he be able to will he be able to remember that that thing. Well, it's interesting with Superior Spider-Man. I never read it at the time, but I've always known that it was one of these classic runs. I know some people have argued that it's apparently Dan Slott's best run, or most interesting run during a Spider-Man run, but I picked up the omnibus of it recently, <laughs> so I'll make sure to get reading that prior to uh, to that new one coming out. Perfect. Um, I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to fault Dan Slott's actual Spider-Man run, but Superior Spider-Man was a part of that one, so... Um, so the next spider book that, uh, that uh, I'll mention is uh, Strange Academy featuring the amazing Spider-Man I mean we've both been fans of Strange Academy yeah. uh, and there's been a I think it's a three part story yeah they uh, seem to be doing a little one shots they did Miles Morales recently Moon Knight and, and Amazing Spider-Man they all three connect mm-hmm. uh, so this I think is the third of three uh Strange Academy Amazing Spider-Man number one by Carlos Hernandez, uh, art by Vasco Georgiev. The brilliant new villain, The Equation, has taken down Miles Morales, Moon Knight, and half the students of Strange Academy. Can Amazing Spider-Man be of help? This is one that I wasn't terribly interested in. Uh, and then I think I picked it up in store, mm-hmm. the Miles Morales one, and really enjoyed it. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it for... Uh, Anything Strange Academy has my attention. I think it's been one of Marvel's best titles of the last... Uh, of the last little while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but talking about symbiotes, I mean, we have uh, coming up next is a relaunch for a title that seemed to only have a number one not too long ago, which was Carnage number one. Now, Carnage for a while there was written by Ram V. Uh, he was writing Venom and Carnage. Uh, but now the baton seems to have been passed to none other than Torin Grombeck, whose work we've been enjoying. She's currently writing Venom. And uh, we've got her now on Carnage number one. So this is going to be uh, written by Torin with art by Per Perez. Uh, every symbiote needs a host and for Carnage there has only ever been one host who has made it feel whole and it's time for a reunion. Don't miss this shocking and unexpected start to the next chapter of Carnage's story. One which lays the groundwork for the next Venom epic. So I mean that to me says that Torin's got a crossover plan. Uh, there maybe is a little bit of fatigue with symbiotes at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, there does seem to be a lot of symbiote stuff, uh, which is not to everybody's taste. But Torrin's a writer whose work I absolutely love, so I'm I'm definitely going to be on that. And I've enjoyed Ram V's run on it as well. So I jumped off Ram's run just because of that uh, of that symbiote fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed on Venom, obviously, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. Venom turned a corner. Venom plotted a little bit for me, but it really found its feet. I think in the last four, four or five issues. All right. Well, I'll maybe, I'll maybe, uh, I'll maybe have another look. Um, another number one uh, coming in the. I mean, I, I still very much consider Carnage to be in the Spider Corner. Um, coming from uh, from the, the Spider Corner and from Dan Slott spinning out of his Spider Man series is Spider Boy number one. Now this is one that kind of. Spider Boy has been in the, in the, the current Dan Slott Spider Man series, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, a kid, a kid sidekick, well, okay, 
fine. Um, but yeah, dance lots on it. Paco Medina's on it, and there was there's been some uh, some little teasers uh, that have made the character a little more interesting. So Spider, I think I made there's a the next issue of Amazing of, of that Spider Man series. I think it's eleven maybe is effectively going to be the Spider Boy's number zero. Mm-hmm. You see his origin, his origin, but. Uh, Spider Boy number one will, is, is, is subtitled The Secrets of Spider Boy Revealed. Spinning out of the pages of Dan Slott and Mark Bagley's monumental Spider Man run comes the spectacular Spider Boy. After the events of the end of Spider Verse, Spider Boy's history as Spider Man's sidekick was nearly forgotten forever. But now those mysteries will be revealed as they embark on exciting new adventures together. 40 pages looks like an ongoing. But yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a weird looking character. He's, he's clearly a kid. Uh, after the Spider Verse stuff, uh, where Spider Man was Peter Parker disassembled and reassembled, he had you know apparently Spider Boy had been removed from his memory and everybody's memory, so he's now bopping around the Marvel Universe going nobody remembers me. That's a bit crap, um, <laughs> but uh, that seems to be turning around again. He's an interesting. I don't think he's as you know he's got he's got a bunch of different eyes in his mask, and we've already found out he's got fangs, so uh, it could be uh, could be could be slightly interesting. Uh, so it could. So you want to talk to us a little bit about uh, some some omnibuses? Is that right? Yeah, some omnibuses, epic collections, and a, a trade paperback. It's interesting. You mentioned a Spidey sidekick, because uh, we'll get to that in a moment with one of the trade paperback collections. But one of the omnibuses caught my eyes, which is the Thunderbolts Red omnibus, uh, which is predominantly written by Daniel Way, but also with work from Charles Soule, Ben Acker, and Ben Blacker. Uh, and pencil predominantly by Steve Dillon, but also has work in there from Phil Noto, Jeff Tapalo, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, Carlo Barberi, and Kim Jacinto. And this just sounds really, really cool to me. I mean, I, I love my team of anti heroes, and this is what this sounds like a colorful cast of volatile killers star in the most shocking Thunderbolts era of all Venom, Electra, Deadpool, The Punisher. Forget the courts, the jails, the system. This team of Thunderbolts fights fire with fire, targeting the most dangerous and lethal players in the Marvel Universe with extreme prejudice. Led by General Thunderbolt Ross, aka the Red Hulk, this hand-picked squad of like-minded operatives is going to make the world a better place by painting it red with blood. But will even this crew approve of the team's newest member, the Red Leader? The Thunderbolts will face brutal battles against the terror cell of Crimson Dynamos, Thanos' Black Order, and at least one of their own. But will the Ghost Rider put his money on red? Collecting Thunderbolts from 2012, 1-32, and the Thunderbolts annual number one. It was quite funny before we started recording, I, I said this to Keith about this one because he's a big Thunderbolts fan, certainly that original run. <laughs> so I just straight away was like, oh, this must be a great one. What do you think? And he was like, well, not my Thunderbolts. I mean, I have every issue, but not my Thunderbolts. <laughs> Which, if ever a modern comic or a lifelong comic fan is summed up in some words, that's it. Not really my thing. But I mean, I have it all. <laughs> every issue, every issue, every single. I mean, issue. I enjoyed it. It just wasn't the Thunderbolts that I originally started to buy Thunderbolts for. See, this is the thing. Maybe I don't even need to pick up that omnibus. Maybe I just need to go up two levels to Keith's yeah. comic room, and uh, he yeah. has all these. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's, there was a run of Thunderbolts that was effectively a wrestling series yeah. as well. So. Oh, you're speaking my language. Uh-huh. Speaking my language. Um, in terms of epic collections, there's one that really caught my eye because. I've always talked, obviously people know I love Daredevil, I've always talked about great te- creative teams on Daredevil, whether it's Brubaker, whether it's, or great writers I should say, whether it's Brubaker, whether it's Frank Miller, whether it's Brian Michael Bendis, whether it's Mark Waid, it's Chip Zdarsky, Charles Soule, but one who seems to be slightly left out of the conversation sometimes because her work is so hard to find in print is Anne Lucente, 
when we spoke to Chip about Daredevil, he said Anne Lucendi was his favourite writer of all time. And there's finally going to be an epic collection of some of her work, which is uh, the volume 15 in the Daredevil epic collections and it's subtitled Last Rites. So it's written by Anne Lucendi, penciled by Mark Bagley, Lee Weeks, Greg Capullo. I mean, come on, this is just a cavalcade of talent here. The fall of the kingpin and amnesiac Matt Murdock is Daredevil no more. So who's swinging around town in the red suit and why is he committing vicious crimes with pinpoint accuracy? Matt thinks he's the Jack, the boxer Jack Murdock, but can he battle his way back to becoming the man without fear once more? Meanwhile, the kingpin sets his sights on building a media empire, but a reborn Daredevil is determined to administer the last rites to Wilson's reign of terror and he won't let anyone stand in his way, even the lethal Typhoid Mary. With Nick Fury, S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra all involved, will Daredevil finally bring down his arch enemy once and for all? Plus, Captain America, Taskmaster, Tombstone, Baron Strucker, The Punisher, The Hand and Ghost Rider. Come on, how great does this sound? Collecting Daredevil 283 to 300 and the annual number 7. That just sounds like a great time, I have to say. And then one last one I wanted to mention and I must admit I'm a little disappointed in myself I did not put this on the board. Because for me, this is one of Marvel's best runs of modern times. There was times. a lot of stuff on the board. There was a lot of stuff. And, and in fairness, I said to Keith before we started recording, I probably could have done the board again for Marvel and it'd be completely different ones. But I'm a bit disappointed I didn't put this up because this is genuinely one of my favourite uh, runs of modern times. And that is the weirdly titled Spider-Man by Tom Taylor trade paperback. I say weirdly titled because this was a, a single issue run under the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man uh, title. It was 14 issues in total. If you ever want to hear three grown men cry over a single issue on a podcast, uh. go and find our reviews podcast <laughs> where, we, uh, where we break down issue six. It still leaves a mark. Oh my God, it would hurt me even more now as a father. Oh, I'm quite sure it would. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> Gonna cry just talking about, uh, but yeah, this this run was unbelievably good. It, it took Spider Man back to being the neighborhood Spider Man. It didn't deal with end of the world scenarios, teaming up with the Avengers. It dealt with them looking after his neighborhood. So, uh, as I said, it's been retitled Spider Man by Tom Taylor. So it's a trade paperback, three hundred and twenty eight pages of greatness. So Spider Man is the worst neighbor ever. There are always crazy villains and property damage and drama, and he catches those villains and he tries to fix the damage and he helps carry your groceries. You know what? Spider-Man is the best neighbor ever. And Tom Taylor shows you why in the acclaimed writer's complete run on Spidey's friendliest title. Aunt May has a shocking secret that could change everything for Peter and his family. And one of Spider-Man's closest allies may have returned to his criminal beginnings, but why? Peter Parker has many skills, but he's no Sherlock Holmes. So the world's worst detective calls on his new ally. But can the rumor help him uncover the truth? Guest starring the Fantastic Four and Miles Morales collects Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man 1 to 14 and material from the free comic book day 2019. I mean, oh, spider bite. <laughs> Issue 6 of that. Oh, that, was, that was quite something. That was quite something. Um, so I'm just going to take a slight left turn here. Um, <coughs> we, uh, I was lucky enough, uh, and, and thank you for it. Uh, I mean, I know we're a comics podcast, but comics related. Um, I picked up the book of the Marvel multiverse role-playing game uh, at the store this week uh, so that's the, that's the core book of Marvel's new Marvel's new role-playing game um, and I should say he flicked through it in the store and he was just chuckling the whole way through it <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean I saw the playtest you know the, the original playtest book got it uh, so yeah it's, it's a really it's a really lovely book um, we've got previewed here the Marvel multiverse role-playing game X-Men expansion hardcover um, 
So this will come after the uh, the Cataclysm of Kang uh, adventure, but it's written by Matt Forbeck, who uh, has designed the game. And one of the great things about the core book is it's all Marvel art right the way through. It's very, very cool. But this is the X-Men expansion. To me, my X-Men, this, the first full-size source book for the Marvel multiverse role-playing game, features the X-Men and all their various spin-off teams, greatest allies and most fearsome foes. Written by D616 system co-creator and New York Times bestseller Matt Forbeck, um, also known for the Marvel Encyclopedia and Dungeons & Dragons Endless Quest, uh, and packed with illustration by Marvel's incredible army of artists, the X-Men expansion is jammed full of vital information about Marvel's most popular mutants, including new options for creating characters, new traits, new tags, and new powers. It will also include new profiles for dozens of characters from X-Force, new mutants, and marauders. Now, new full-color maps of famous X-Men homes, including the Xavier Institute, Krakoa, and Araco, and plenty of plot hooks for an entire campaign. Answer the call and join the X-Men. So you can put me down for that. <laughs> Um, that uh, will bring our Marvel, Marvel book to an end. To an end, that it very much does. And and again, we should say that these books are always available in store. You can always have a flick through them. There's tons more in the Marvel book there that is, is worthy of comment, but we'd end up recommending the entire book. But as I say, the books are there. You can come in and have a flick through them yourself, just in case there's anything that we have missed during this deep dive into the books. But we'll move away from the Marvel books, the DC books, and move into the realm of independent. And... As I say, we're going to kick things off with Image, even though Image no longer has a presence in the uh, in the Marvel book, or sorry, in the main previews book. But the the information is easily accessible either on Image Comics website or, as Kate says, Bleeding Cool have finally done something worthwhile <laughs> and put up the full solicit. So why don't you kick things off with something that a certain Robert Kirkman, as he is very good at doing, managed to keep a secret about? Absolutely. So it is no secret anymore um, that. Uh, first issue of Void Rivals was our introduction to the Energon universe by Robert Kirkman who is the showrunner for this universe. Void Rivals uh, was and remains uh, three issues in a really strong title by itself but the, 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 the kicker in the first issue was the appearance of a Transformer that those of us who are familiar with Transformers all recognised. Uh, now that's within an image book uh, and so uh, the, the, the shock shock reveal was that uh, you know this this Void Rivals was the, the introduction to Energon Universe which will include Transformers and G.I. Joe under the image banner uh, and all shepherded by Robert Kirkman so the first uh, the second book of the Energon Universe following Void Rivals will be Transformers number one which has a whole raft of uh, variant covers we'll not go into it but it is by art and writing is by uh Daniel Warren Johnson, one of our very favourites, uh, with the uh, inks by Mike Spicer. Uh, you'll recognise that team from Do a Parbol, uh, which was one of my favourite books of this year. Uh, thanks for the recommendation. So, an all new Transformers era starts here. Superstar creator Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, and alongside Energon showrunner Robert Kirkman, reimagines Hasbro's roots in disguise, robots in disguise, in a brand new generation. Uh, for a brand new generation, I can read, I promise I can. Uh, Optimus Prime was supposed to have led the Autobots to victory, instead the fate of Cybertron is unknown and his allies have crash-landed far from home, alongside their enemies, the Decepticons. As these titanic forces renew their war on Earth, one thing is immediately clear, the planet will never be the same. New alliances are struck, battle lines are redrawn, and humanity's only hope of survival is Optimus Prime. Discover the Transformers like you've never seen them before. So. Interesting, definitely. Um, 
there's already been a two or three page preview of Transformers at the back of um, Void Rivals number three. It looks great, but from what we can see, it really follows the original Transformers Gen 1 mm-hmm. cartoon. Um, so we all know that Kirkman isn't going to just follow along. I mean, that's, that's just not the case. So, um, it's hitting the nostalgia button there, I think, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I'm interested to see where he takes it because... Yeah, as I say, I just don't. Th- I don't think it's going to be a retake of no of Transformers, but that whole you know war on Cybertron, uh, the 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 Optobots fleeing, the Decepticons attacking them on uh, on uh, Arc One, and, and then it crashing to Earth, and then they've been buried for millions of years to be awoken by Spike and his father. Uh, is kind of where we're at, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to see. Really yeah, that creative team alone is is enough yeah. to know that my money will go on this and it's interesting in the solicitation that Kirkman has now done so much in comics that when it goes into the brackets to say where you know him from The Walking Dead isn't even mentioned <laughs> which is incredible in yeah, itself absolutely but yeah that creative team alone you know Mike Spicer has been uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's longtime colorist did Dead Earth with him for Wonder Woman do a power bomb Murder Falcon so that's a team that's been doing it for a long time from what I understand, Daniel Warren Johnson is going to do the first six issues, right? Uh, and then after that, a new creative team will be announced. But it is an ongoing series. Brilliant. But I think it's just he didn't want to be pigeonholed into one title for thirty issues, forty yeah, issues, yeah. that kind of yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, that that's top of, up towards the top of the board for us this month, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to order big on that. Yes. Um, I'm looking at those incentives and wondering should I even go as high as hundred copies? We shall see. Ooh, okay. Which has only been done once before in the history of the store, and that was for a certain small title called Batman Three Jokers. <laughs> and I think we have about four copies of it left because that title just still sells. Um, but yeah, the the other one that really grabbed my eye in terms of Image Comics this month, and again is very high up on the board for us, is the Universal Monsters Dracula number one of four. And again, this all goes down to uh, our uh, mantle and mantra in store, which is always follow creators. So this is coming from the creative team uh, that do the Department of Truth. They've got the writer James Tynion the fourth and artist Martin Simmons. Um, yeah, there, there seems to be certain things that Robert Kirkman has tried to get under the image banner for years. He's been a big Transformers fan for years. He's been a big G.I. Joe fan. And he's a big Universal Monsters fan. So, you know, this was clearly like Christmas for him. So, yeah, mini series. this will be four issues. The biggest names in comics resurrect the most iconic monsters. The Department of Truth creators, James Tinney and the Fourth. You may also know him from World Tree, Something is Killing the Children. He may have done a small title called Batman for a while as well. And Martin Simmons retained to tell a new tale of the monster who started it all. When Dr. John Seward admits a strange patient into his asylum, the madman tells stories of a demon who has taken residence next door. But as Dr. Seward attempts to apply logic to the impossible, his surrogate daughter Lucy begins to fall under the spell of the twisted Count Dracula. I have not noticed this, but could you put me down for that, just given that creative team? Um, 100%. Did recently watch Renfield, the uh, the, the Cage. The cage uh, <laughs> That Dracula, very, very good. Good stuff. Uh, really good, really good fun. Reimagines the relationship between Dracula and Renfield as an uh, abusive, toxic, uh, narcissistic relationship. <laughs> very, very clever. Uh, so it is. I must get seen. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking it'll look great. And Nick Cage these days is always good value. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting one, uh, cover alone, really. Um, from Images, Dest- Destiny Gate number one of four uh, by Ryan Caddy and Christian Dubari. 
it's a miniseries premiere uh, Ryan Caddy uh, writer on Haunt You to the End and Batman previously uh, Christian Dabari Revolvers Magdalena Ref Reformation present life for the most part is the product of the decisions you make for some a wrong decision or two or more leads to a crossroads on the other side of the destiny gate do you fight for a chance to survive and start a new year? Do you succumb to your inner demons and end it all for you and worse yours? In this opening tale, we meet Mike Mitchell Slate at the height of the Great Depression. Down on his luck and heading home to a disappointed and desperate family, Mitchell's train ride veers off the rails and transforms into a macabre and darkly fantastical journey into his own fragile soul. Nice. So that is Destiny Gate, also from Image Comics. Just a couple more from Image to, uh, that are certainly worth a mention. Although again, there is tons of stuff from Image this month. But the next one that caught my eye was a one-shot, which is called Paladin of Axes. Now, again, this falls under the purview of following creators. And Jerry Duggan is writing this. The man is such a good writer, he's even got me reading Iron Man. Imagine. I know. So he's you don't writing. Have nothing to do with your friend constantly. <laughs> well, I still haven't read that one. <laughs> I still haven't went back to Christopher Cumwell. Cumwell the very Twenty-five one, issues. Yeah. Uh -huh. I told you, Keith, if it reaches omnibus stage, I will pick it up. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, Jerry Duggan writing this, and David O'Sullivan, who worked on a title called Analog, is the artist on this one. So a perfect comic book to celebrate Halloween. It's the first appearance of Hector Smalley, a guitar tech known as the Paladin of Axes. He's working for the world's biggest rock band and when he and the whole band are killed in a plane crash, it's unexpectedly just the beginning of his bad times. It's a sad tale of working yourself to death, literally. Equal parts Evil Dead and Time Bandits. I mean, come on, that just uh -huh. took it to my veins. This horror comedy will put a smile on your face on one page and punch it off on the page turn. Throw your horns in the air for the Paladin of Axes. That just sounds really, really cool. It really does, yeah. But yeah, as you say, the thing is, Image this month seemed to be embracing the, the spooky season as well. So obviously as well as stuff like uh, Dracula, Paladin of Axes, there is a compendium of um, a title being put together that I'm a big, big fan of. It comes from the creative team of uh, 100 Bullets, which was Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Risso. It is a werewolf title called Moonshine. Now, Image have been doing this for a while. They've started to put together really good compendiums. They've released things like Invincible in compendiums, of course. Walking Dead's a great acclaim, but recently they've been doing it more and more. You're getting things like Black Science, things like Outcast. We just had Oblivion Song get released in this format. Well, now it's Moonshine's turn. So, collecting the hit crime horror series in one complete volume. Moonshine tells the story of Lou Pirlo, a city slick torpedo sent from New York City to negotiate a deal with the best moonshiner in Appalachia, one Hiram Holt. Lou figures it for Milk Run. What Lou doesn't figure on is that Holt is just as cunning and ruthless as any New York City crime boss, and Lou is in way over his pinstriped head. Because not only will Holt do anything to protect his illicit booze operation, he'll stop at nothing to protect a much darker family secret, a bloody supernatural secret that must never see the light of day, or better still, the light of the full moon. Once bitten and cursed by the werewolf, Lou must travel to the darkest bayous of New Orleans, escape a murderous chain gang along the Mississippi, dodge a serial killer in Cleveland, and finally return to his native New York all in search of a cure. That is, if he wants to be cured. This definitive collection includes the entire Moonshine series and never-before-seen bonus materials. Witness the acclaimed creative team that define modern crime comics with 100 bullets, put a, hundred, put a horror twist on a classic gangster tale in a book that Nerdist called Damn Near Perfect. That is a great run and a great collection. That sounds class. I have never read it. 
No. Uh, but that sounds that's that's hitting all my buttons there. That description for sure. Highly recommend. Uh, Highly recommend. Very cool. Um, sticking with uh, horror month uh, as it uh, as it is and uh, an image, uh, image are issuing um, a Philadelphia Deluxe Edition hardcover volume one. Uh, there's never not a time to mention Philadelphia by Rodney Barnes and Jason Sean Alexander, both of whom we have been lucky enough to to interview uh, in the past. Finally, they claim that Eisner Award nominated horror title is collected for the first time in a stunning hardcover featuring the first 12 issues plus bonus content from Rodney Barnes, the breakout star, writer behind such hit shows as Marvel's Runaways, Stars as American Gods and HBO's Winning Time, and Jason Shaw Alexander, the artist who redefined Spawn for a generation. When a small town beat cop comes home to bury his murdered father, uh, revered Philadelphia detective James Sangster Sr., he stumbles into a mystery that will lead him down a path of horrors and shake his beliefs to their core. The city that was once the symbol of liberty and freedom has fallen prey to corruption, poverty, unemployment, brutality and vampires. Now it's up to Jimmy, an unexpected companion, to stop long-thought-dead President of the United States, John Adams, from building an undead army and staging a bloody new American revolution. There's a reason they say you can't go home again. Welcome to Philadelphia. Collects Philadelphia numbers 1 to 12 and chapters 1 to 5 of the terrifying werewolf tie-in story Elysium Gardens and boy did that become important. <laughs> <laughs> so highly recommend, uh, highly recommend that one. The series in general, Philadelphia has been mentioned many a time on this pod and uh, it just took a very big turn in issue 30 as well, which will lead to even greater things from issue 31 onwards. So, so yeah, that's that's pretty much us from Image Comics, uh, looking along a couple of other uh, publishers just to get through, something that caught your eye from Dark Horse. Caught my eye and I'm surprised it didn't catch your eye. It's Canary Number 1 by Scott Snyder and Dan Panosian. In 1891, a mine collapsed into itself. Uh, what was the dark substance found 666 feet underground? Blending modern, modern horror, historical fact and western lore, Scott Snyder and Dan Panosian have created a uniquely terrifying thriller with Canaria. Canary. sorry. During the final days of the gold rush, one mining company in Colorado pulled up radioactive uranium and then the mine collapsed in itself. Legends sprung up about the mine being cursed or even haunted. Now the frontier is closed. The gold and silver mines have dried up. The country is becoming civilised and yet in one stretch of the Rocky Mountains, a terrifying new kind of violence is suddenly emerging. Random killings, people going mad and murdering neighbours, classmates without real cause. When a schoolboy kills his teacher and a, with a hatchet, a famous federal marshal named Azizel William Holt is called in to investigate the killings. Uh, what the brilliant young geologist, stranger and more horrifying than anything, uh, they could they could ever have imagined yeah it looks um looks great yeah i think that's part of that whole scottober range of books that are were in digital first that have been moved to uh print <laughs> note available only in us and canada <laughs> oh i knew there was a reason yeah, i hadn't really mentioned can. it honestly <laughs> i promised that i saw that <laughs> Why don't we move away from things that are only available in US and Canada to things that are available in the UK and with that we have Dynamite Entertainment and uh, I'll jump up first with Dynamite with something that caught my eye which is Army of Darkness Forever. Uh, this is written by Tony Fleeks who was uh, one of the writers on uh, Stray Dogs. 
what's so what's cool about this is it's a really deep cut of a book for a simple reason so if you've ever seen army of darkness the sort of the released cut of it ends with uh, Ash working in Shop Smart, Shop Smart, yes. and killing a demon that had followed him into his dead-end job. But there's an alternative ending that was deemed too dark for release. And in the alternative ending, when Ash is back in medieval times, he's given this uh, drink that he has to take a certain amount of drops. And for every drop, he goes forward 100 years. That's right, yeah. But because Ash is such an idiot, uh, he takes one drop too many and wakes up in the future and goes, I've slept too long. But they thought it was too much of a downer of an ending, so they didn't use it. But this book is basically the sequel to If They Had Have Kept That Ending. So, Army of Darkness Forever. After it debuted in 1993, the classic Sam Raimi film Army of Darkness quickly became the most beloved movie of the popular Evil Dead franchise. And with the launch of their Army of Darkness comics in 2005, Dynamite set a new standard for Ash Williams' adventures in any medium. Now, after nearly three decades of Ash-tastic action, Dynamite is up in the ante with the ultimate Army of Darkness book, Army of Darkness Forever. Picking up immediately after the events of Army of Darkness, the director's cut, Nat, yeah. you know I love a wee director's cut, Ash chainsaws his way through the techno Army of Darkness in 2093, defends the secret ads of the S-Mart in 1993, and meanwhile, in the distant past, his lady love Sheila fights off a reason at evil at Castle Kandor. Written and illustrated by comics heavyweights Tony Flicks and Justin Greenwood, Army of Darkness Forever features incredible covers by some of the medium's greatest masters of horror, including Tony Flicks himself, artist Nick Dracoda, and the zombie king himself, Arthur Sujam, and master painter slash tracer, uh, Francesco Mattina, as well. <laughs> wow. But I, I love the idea of that. I love that ending. Yeah, I wish yeah. that he used it. Yeah, no, I, I, I've got the, I've got the, uh, the director's cut. I've got a box with you know all the, the, the cuts. And, yeah. I mean, to answer your first question, if you haven't seen Army of Darkness, what have you been doing with your life? A very, very good point. But uh, not only has one dynamite caught our eye this month, but two, they keep climbing the charts. Well, yeah, absolutely. But this is just really a, an addition to what's already caught my eye. Um, Lord of Lord of the Jungle is over, but Gargoyles is still uh, very much uh, at the centre of things, which now includes a second book, Gargoyles Dark Ages, which is set in the past. But uh, Gargoyles Halloween Special, again, it's the, the month of horror, uh, and it's written by series creator Greg Weissman, with art by Bonisso Diego. It's young Nash's first Halloween in Manhattan, and you're invited to come along as he heads out to find friends on the one night of the year when Gargoyles can roam the city unbothered. Unfortunately, he's about to run afoul of the masked quarrymen who are now out to hunt down any gargoyle foolish enough to brave the streets on all Hallow's Eve. That means Brooklyn, Katana, Lexington, Broadway, Angela and even Goliath are in real danger. Will they survive this cruel trick or become the treat for the marauding quarrymen? Find out in October with this all-new 40-page special featuring a 28-page main story written by Gargoyle's creator Greg Weissman and illustrated by Vanessa Diego. I'm, I'm all in for the gargoyle stuff. Um, yeah, because there's a couple of titles you're on, isn't there? Is it Dark Ages? Yeah, yeah. Of? Dark Ages is the one that's, that's sort of set in the past. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very, very good stuff. That, that sort of follows whenever, at, at the age of the Gargoyles, whenever back in uh, like uh, 12th century Scotland or something, whenever Hudson was the leader of the Gargoyles and Goliath was still a, a young Gargoyle and all of that sort of stuff. It's pretty cool stuff. Nice. Nice. Well, we'll move away from Dynamite and on to a new publisher. Uh, we spoke about them and I'm pretty sure we did the previews pod where we talked about Distillery, which is 
a new publishing company that has modern echoes of Image Comics, to be honest, and that a lot of comics heavyweights have come together to launch a new company for creator-owned titles. So the likes of Scott Snyder, James Tenney the Fourth, Ram V, Tula Lote, tons of tons of heavyweight creators, but one of them as well is Jock, and we all know how I feel about Jock, one of my absolute favorite creators in the business. Uh, just a very unique voice in the world of comics. I think visually there's no one like his style. And uh, he is launching the first distillery book proper. So you've got The Devil's Cut, which is coming out in at the end of August, I think, uh, which is basically like a preview book almost. It's got small sample sizes of some of the titles that are going to be coming out. <clears throat> and the first one getting released properly is Gone by Jock. So he is writing, drawing, and doing covers. Maybe he should have had a word with Declan before he did this because I think Dex slightly, <laughs> slightly regrets that move for uh, Old Dog. <laughs> But uh, Gone is a new series debut from Distillery, as I say, by Jock, and he's writing and drawing a creator-owned project for the first time. So, on an impoverished and distant planet where menial workers scratch out a living resupplying starships, the best place to be is Gone, and that's exactly where 13-year-old Abby wants to be. Along with her street-tough friends, Abby stows away on a colossal luxury space liner for a chance at a better life. Unbeknownst to her, some of her friends are not who they seem. Abby suddenly finds herself branded a saboteur as she desperately struggles to evade the ship's deadly crew and to stay alive. Beautifully written and drawn by Jock Eisner, award-winning artist of Snow Angels and Batman One Dark Knight, Gone is an action-packed sci-fi adventure where a young heroine confronts betrayal, discovers her true allies and fights against all odds, discovering that nothing is further away than home. So this is going to be a 48-pager, which is a good thing because it does carry a bigger price point. This is coming out at $9.00. We do have the slight concern that this would start to be the new accepted price for issues such as this. We don't know if this is what Distillery's price model is going to be moving forward. We don't know if it's just for this specific title. I don't know. Um, again, I'm a huge Jock fan, so I will certainly pick it up um, from that point of view. But uh, yeah, just do be wary of that slightly bigger price point. Obviously, a lot of comics come in at $4, $5. You know, this is almost double that, but... I have absolutely no doubt that Jock will put everything into this and it will be worth every penny um, yeah, because so the preview pages are fantastic yeah, no, I mean, as well. The price point is a concern, uh, but I mean, I'll definitely, I'll definitely pick it up. I'll definitely pick it up for sure. Um, so swinging into Boom then. Boom, Boom Studios, Studios. Indeed. Uh, we have, um, well, first thing in the, I think it's worth highlighting is the trade paperback for The Seasons Have Teeth by Dan Waters and Sebastian Cabral. Um, four issue series came to an end last month. Very, very, very good stuff. Um, maybe a wee bit of a questionable ending, would that be fair to say? A little tiny bit anticlimactic, but that's more to do with how good it was to that point. Yeah, yeah, than, yeah. Like the ending fits and you know, it's, it's still a good ending. It it's is, just the rest of the book was great. Yeah, yeah. I it just, it, it left me sort of, want more I think which is not necessarily a bad thing you know also true um, in a drab colourless world the seasons uh, the seasons bring change and also destruction Andrew a retired conflict photographer lives deep in deep regret after an unthinkable tragedy but when the seasons arrive each one a godlike creature everything transforms as he risks everything to track down spring summer autumn and winter can the perfect picture of each be enough to find redemption and ultimately, ultimately bring colour back into his world Dan Waters of Sword of Azrael and Homesick Pilots, uh, writing acclaim, is also joined by artist Sebastian Cabrol, Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts and Maestro Will Warren. 
uh, for this down-to-earth yet supernaturally apocalyptic tale. So this collects the four issues. And that, I mean, that describes it down-to-earth yet supernaturally apocalyptic. That almost describes the ending as well. So, yeah. you know, hard to, hard to fault it. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Looked, Very heartfelt book. Yeah. Original idea. Fantastic. Yeah. It looks great. Um, so staying with Boom Studios, uh, we have the first of five issues of Slow Burn, written by Ollie Masters and illustrated by Perluigi Minotti. Uh, in the tradition of 100 Bullets and Criminal, noir writer Ollie Masters and artist Pierluigi Minotti unleashed dirty deeds in a town on fire. Fleeing a botched robbery in New York City, a junkie, her dying partner and a, dimension radio, a dementia-ridden old man pull into a coal mining ghost town in central Pennsylvania. Obscured by the caustic mists, spewed forth by the uh, coal seam fire from the 1960s still burning, Trier is the perfect place to lay low, score effects and take a hostage, or is it? Acclaimed crime writer Ollie Masters from Snowblind in the Kitchen, an artist Per Luigi Minotti of Lost Falls, uh, transport readers into a bleak, violent world perfect for fans of Gideon Falls and Stray Bullets. I think that might be right off both our streets. Yeah, definitely. Any mention of Gideon Falls is something that uh, yeah. has my attention. Well, it's funny, actually, I was reading a story recently about one of those towns in Pennsylvania where they found a coal seam and it was set on fire as a result of greed and it's still burning and the town more or less has more or less been evacuated over the last mm-hmm. sort of 40 years. Uh, I don't know if that is that same town or, or what, but it's, it's definitely based on something like it. So yeah. It looks like, a, it looks like a, a hell place. like. As they say, truth can be stranger yeah. than fiction sometimes. Uh, sticking with Boom Studios and a title that's sure to appeal to quite a lot of people, they have pitched this as Power Rangers meets My Hero Academia, which of course is one of the biggest titles in the manga world. This is a title called Ranger Academy, so brand new number one. It was previewed in a free comic book day issue as well. So if this comes from Maria Ingrande Mora with art by Jomi Gyeong. If you had a chance to join the Power Rangers, would you do it? 13-year-old Sage lives on an isolated lunar colony with her adoptive father, but her days on the farm will change forever when she comes across a wreckage with wounded passengers. People from an academy training to be called something called Power Rangers? Fresh off their free comic book day preview, the acclaimed, uh, the acclaimed team introduce a bold new expansion of the Power Rangers universe. For the first time, discover the amazing school where Rangers are trained and find out for yourself which Ranger colour you would join. Would you test your might as a Red Ranger, never surrender as a Black Ranger, inspire those around you as a Pink Ranger, show no fear as a Yellow Ranger, or prove that you're the smartest kid on the team as a Blue Ranger? Enroll today. <laughs> What is it with all these academies at the moment? You know, Strange Academy. Yeah. You know, you had Mystic U, which was a short-lived DC title, um, as well. You Gotham Academy. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're sort yeah, of showing yeah. how yeah. it goes from there, almost, yeah. aren't they? hundred oh, percent. I mean, it's, I suppose it's the uh, it's the the young adult side of things, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea as well, trying to branch across that manga and comic audience together. Uh, as well so um, yeah. yeah I think that'll be popular Power Rangers has certainly been popular in the store and a new number one and starting point I think is never a bad thing I think that'll, that'll please Stephen won't it that's it uh, it's already on his list uh, <laughs> um, sticking with Boom uh, for one more uh, for me and that's Once Upon a Time at the End of the World number 10 of 15 so this has been divided into like a, a three arc structure almost like a like a movie uh, it's uh, written by Jason Aaron illustrated by Leila the Del Duca and Nick Dracotta so it's a different set mm-hmm. again so we the first five was a different artist from the second five was a I think Nick Dracotta he's been drawing the you know the future set parts yeah, yeah where he's in so. yeah. 
it's funny because whenever we first saw that, it made made no sense relative to what we're seeing. Yeah, you know what we were seeing then, but it starts to make sense, and uh, we're we're moving towards that. And the final issue of the rise and fall of Gol Ganuza, which was the the, the second five issue story arc, Maceo, uh, Mateo and Mezzi uh, inflict emotional damage in each other in ways that even the wasteland couldn't dream of, and the threads of their relationship continue to tear. The community is dissolving and breaking, just like Mateo's machines, and he and Mezzi are poised to be the final remaining members. If it comes to that, can they salvage what's there? Or will they even want to cross the chasm between them? Brilliant stuff. I mean, I'm really, I was not convinced by the first issue of this, but by the second issue, it was all in. Uh, it's, uh, it's very good. Mark Wade says, nobody understands the storytelling of raw emotion like Jason Aaron does. Uh, I think that's very, very true. So moving out of uh, moving out of uh, boom into massive, there's uh, one there that uh, that I highlighted to you. That I'm surprised it didn't. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing this uh, announced at uh, San Diego Comic Con, and I had it kept in mind, but I mustn't have just I must have just flicked past it in the book. But yeah, it's uh, a comic series based on one of my favorite books of all time, and genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time as well. And that book is American Psycho. It was originally written by Bret Easton Ellis. It was all about the excesses and the rich side of uh, New York City in the 80s uh, on Wall Street and the things that power and wealth could actually hide from the world and the things you could get away with. Um, but yeah, this one is uh, coming from Massive Publishing um, from their imprint called Sumerian. Uh, so American Psycho is a, from Michael Calero is writing with art by Piotr Kowalski and Brad Simpson with cover art from Greg Staples. Uh, Greg Staples, best known for his work on Judge Dredd and as a concept artist for Magic the Gathering, brings his realistic painterly style to capture the likeness of Christian Bale's Patrick Bateman. So step back into the neon lit streets of 1980s New York where appearances deceive and darkness lurks beneath the polished surface of wealth. Sumerian Comics invites you to witness Patrick Bateman's infamous killing spree through a brand new lens as a familiar character from the film is revealed to be much more than they appeared. This limited series inspired by the iconic film explores the greatest hits of Patrick's murderous rampage while delivering new revelations in the world of American Psycho. This blood-soaked exploration of madness also begins the journey of an all-new psychopath as social media-obsessed millennial Charlie, Charlie and Crothers, goes on a downward spiral fueled with violence. Drug-fueled partying leads to bloodshed as Charlie leaves a trail of bodies on her way to discovering the truth about her dark nature. Brace yourself for a twisted new look into the cinematic world that ignited controversy and shocked a generation. And they've, they've showed a lot of covers here, which are great. I really hope cover E is not a incentive cover. <laughs> it is literally Patrick Bateman's business card with blood on it. it that's boom. That's uh -huh. boom. Um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm a big fan of American Psycho. The less said about the sequels, the better. Uh, they were all directed video directed oh, DVD the oh there was a terrible one with um, what do you call her from that 70s show uh, the name will come to me okay. at some point okay. but uh, yeah it was not good it was absolutely. not good but the original American Psycho is absolutely fantastic cool. and uh, the comic sounds good to me so um, that's pretty much everything from me just a couple from yourself to, yeah, to finish up absolutely just a couple that, uh, that uh, caught my eye uh, from uh, firstly Ablaze uh, which is a, a plucky little publisher um, and the, the featured item is Tolkien Lighting Up the Darkness uh, by the writer Willie Dura Forg 
different edges of colour, uh, is noted as historical for 13 and above. And for fans of The Hobbit Lord of the Rings looking to learn more about the genius behind their favourite epics, J.R.R. Tolkien was not always the old Oxford professor, pipe and mouth, refining his extraordinary work. In 1915, at the, end of 23, at the age of 23, he leaves for the front with his high school friends whom he loves like brothers. They take part in the Battle of the Somme, which ultimately kills 450,000 people. The horror of war will brand the relationships to friendships, love and creation. Uh, this graphic novel explores the youth of the author and Lord of the Rings, uh, of Lord of the Rings and his traumatic experiences of the battlefield of the First World War, which will forge the imagination, the imagination of his literary work. Um, I guess there was a movie that sort of covered that, uh, called Tolkien, wasn't it? Tolkien um, itself, yeah. It was very good, but that, uh, that looks like a comic version that could be... It could be very interesting. The other thing that caught my eye was uh, for Horror Month, uh, I believe are reissuing, reissuing Vampire State Building as a hardcover. Uh, Die Hard with Vampires. Absolutely. Great stuff. Uh, it was from the creator of The Artist of the Walking Dead, uh, Get Ready to Be Bitten, from the first uh, full colour page. Terry Fisher is a young soldier on the verge of being sent away for active duty and is going to meet his friends at the top of the Empire State Building for a farewell party, but suddenly a legion of vampires attacks the skyscraper and massacres its occupants. Hounded in the 102 floors that have become a deadly trap, Terry must take decisive action to save himself and his friends in the city of New York before the army of abominations and the terrible vampire god within, walled in the building since the construction spill into the city. It was four fantastic issues, as you said, Die Hard meets Vampires. Absolutely fantastic. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last one, let me see, uh, that I wanted to chat about, was in Titan Comics. Um, and a bit of a bit of an odd one, it's one that didn't really grab me whenever I first saw it, but you mentioned that young adult uh, books are kind of, you know, the, uh, you know, there's some cool stuff there. They're very much on the rise, and I think some of the best stories are great for all ages, and the uh, the example I certainly used when chatting to you was Bone. Yes, uh, which was something you introduced me to but it's the kind of story that's universal and I, I just know this is a, a fandom that you're a big fan of big fan so that's uh, anything Lovecraftian uh, so this is A Call to Cthulhu a fond and informative introduction to the classic works of H.P. Lovecraft great for parents to read with kids not something I would ever have thought I would have heard associated <laughs> with, with Lovecraft even cosmic gods fear an unknown caller. When Cthulhu, the great old one, receives a phone call in the middle of the night, he is not prepared for the conversation that is about to take place. Part comic book, part art book, part children's storybook, A Call to Cthulhu is a fun, irreverent trip through the classic stories of H.P. Lovecraft, the influential horror writer, and a perfect introduction to his works for your little terrors. There you are. <laughs> if ever there was a way to, you know, guide young minds to uh, good literature... I would say my brother would appreciate me picking that up for my, my nephew. I think that's Christmas present sort of for Stanley right there. I think you could be right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, that brings to an end our sojourn through the previews books with A Call to Cthulhu to finish off. And Keith is now a Christmas present sorted. Although I shouldn't mention Christmas in August. But as long as this is out by October, November, we're all good. So, <laughs> as I say, as ever, all the previews books are available in store. Pop in. Pull up, pull up a seat, have a coffee, sit and read through them yourself. There's much more than what we have talked about, but those are the titles certainly that we're most looking forward to and most deserving of our 
relatively hard-earned cash as well. So uh, you can get in touch with the store through email, uh, coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. You can drop us messages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, whatever suits to give us your pull list updates. Or of course, and most preferably call into the store and uh, we can get you sorted with that. So as ever, it was a pleasure going through the books. Great to be back on the horse and actually recording podcasts and uh, plenty of good stuff to look forward to there. Absolutely. Yep, October looks like it's going to be a, going to be a, a chunky one in, the, uh, in the, the, month of, the month of horror. It does indeed. I mean, it's almost like in October, the month of horror, they could do like a horror event at DC, maybe something called Night Terrors. Do it in that. <laughs> oh, wait, no, they did that in the summer. Anyway, I promise not to bitch about Night Terrors much more. Fair enough. As ever, guys, hope this proved useful too. Hope you enjoyed it and it's proved informative. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in the store soon. So take it easy. So I've been Alan Taylor and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.